Hey there, and welcome to week five of Godly Girl Power, where you and I are going to dive into the topic of how to take your prayer life to the next level. And you see, that's important because it's bold prayer that will break codependency. You know, God is not looking for self-sufficiency. He's looking for our dependency upon Him. And nothing builds that more than prayer. When you pray, you are bringing your needs to God, not putting them on yourself in self-reliance and not bringing those needs to others. And in codependence, we were self-survivors, self-reliant. And in our self-reliant, we often look to people to meet needs that only God could meet. Right now, as I'm taping this video, we are walking through inside of our world, the pandemic of the coronavirus, and it's impacted all of our lives in a great way. For me personally, um, God has used it as a shaking and a sifting really a, a time of personal revival where God just seems to be um, uh, removing things that I always thought that would be there and exposing people and things where there was maybe more of a dependency. Prayer for the codependent needs to be like breathing. Our intimate relationship with God, our prayer brings our needs to him so we can begin to break free from those destructive patterns of codependency. All right, so are you ready to get started? Uh, I definitely am. So the first thing that I want you to think about inside of your prayer life, the first key to taking it to the next level is to shift your perspective. Now, in our nurse scripture this week, uh, which starts in Ephesians uh, 3 verse 14, Paul starts off this way. He says, when I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and in earth. So it was Paul's thoughts that inspired him to fall to his knees in prayer and to pray to God, the creator of heaven and earth. So what was Paul thinking that prompted this bold prayer for the church at Ephesus? Well, when he says, when I think of all this, he's referring actually to, uh, to our nourish scripture last week. And so um, Paul had this per eternal perspective. Um, and there's, there's three things that I'm going to bring out in his eternal perspective. But it was these three points these three realities about God, about eternity, that prompted these this bold prayer. And it is our perspective that will prompt those bold prayers. And so we must have an eternal perspective because an eternal perspective inspires those prayers that are bold because it takes the focus off of us and others and our problems and it puts it on God, all right? So Paul, when Paul prayed, he, he prayed inside of these realities, and these are the realities that God wants us to pray inside of too. 
Number one, you must shift your focus on your position. Ephesians 3, 6, I'm going to jump back into our nurse scripture last week. Ephesians 3, 6 says that both Jews and Gentiles who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. So in that scripture, one of the things that Paul was thinking about was his position, the church of Ephesus, their position as children of God. What difference would it make inside of your prayers if you remembered that you are praying to your Abba Father? And in Matthew 7, 7, God invites you, he commands you to ask and to pray. In fact, he makes the point that as a loving father who is, is greater than any father on earth, and by the way, never look to an earthly example of a father to equate that with God. You won't find it here. People aren't imperfect. Your heavenly father, God, is perfect, and he wants his children to come and pray. There's nothing that brings me greater joy. When my children come to me and ask me for something, it makes me feel good to be generous with them and to give to them. And the same is true of our God. Now, that doesn't mean that God is going to answer every prayer because, well, let's face it, there's some things that you and I pray for that wouldn't be for our good. But God is a loving Father, and every good and perfect gift comes from Him. And we can come to him and remember that we're not orphans begging. We are children coming to our Abba Father to bring him our needs and to find that security in him. So the first thing is to change your perspective on your position. The next thing is, is that God wants us to pray based on the reality, not of our problems, but of his promises. In that same verse, Ephesians 3, 6, it says, uh, both are part of the same body and both enjoy the promise of blessings because they belong to Jesus Christ. And in another uh, place inside of our nurse scripture last week, it talked about these promises. They were covenant promises. And so because of that, we can have confidence in our prayers and in those promises that we pray. The next thing is that you and I need to have that eternal perspective about God's provision inside of our life. Ephesians 3, 8 says this, He gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. And in our nurse scripture this week, in Ephesians 3, 16, it says, I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Unlimited resources, endless treasures. Now remember, God doesn't give to us as the world gives, and thank goodness for that. But God is not only generous, his resources are unlimited. When you pray, do you remember that God's provision is abundant? 
that God wants to give to you, not based on how the world gives, but even better, that there are endless treasures to you in Christ. Are you praying based off of uh, what you think you deserve or your position as a daughter of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? And finally, do you know the promises that are yours? And how would all of this make an impact in how you prayed? You know, if we remember when we go to God in prayer, our position, our promises, and, uh, and the priceless treasures that are ours, it would change our prayer life. And it would also change our dependency more on God. Because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. You know, what is so amazing about this passage, um, I want you to just keep that verse in mind, that, that Paul, he was sitting inside of a prison, and yet he could still go boldly before the presence of God. And inside uh, of, of this book, we can just feel his joy coming forward. And, and that's because there's nothing better in our lives than the presence of God. And what I saw inside of these scriptures this week that I've never really seen before is that when Paul begins to pray for the church of Ephesus, he doesn't pray uh, for, for his circumstances to get fixed. He doesn't pray for the church of Ephesus for, uh, for any specific things. What he prays first for them is that they would have more of God, more of God, more of his power and experience more of his love. You know, the Bible tells us in Matthew 6, to seek the kingdom of God above all else and to live righteously and he will give you everything that you need. Not only do we need to shift our perspective when we pray, but the second thing to take our prayer to the next level of life, that we must begin our time in prayer seeking him first, asking God for more of him. Lord, I want more of you. Come Holy Spirit. And, and, and that's because, that's because the presence of God is powerful and nothing can take that from us. And our worlds can be falling down around us, but the presence of God is really the, the gift of joy and peace, all of those things that in codependency that we work so hard to create, right? Peace in our home and peace in our life. And we, we strive hard to create that by trying to control our outward circumstances. And God is inviting us to pull away and to find that joy and peace by asking for more of his presence. The first thing that Paul prays is this. He says in verse 16, I pray from his glorious unlimited resources that he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. So he prays for the church of Ephesus to be empowered with inner strength. That's godly girl power. 
And see, the reason is, is that inner strength is isolated from our outward circumstances. Nobody can take that from you. And that's why inner strength is so important. And, and Paul prayed for them to be empowered by this strength. And, and another reason why Paul prayed for them to have this inner strength is that the strength, and remember this from weeks one video, is that we talked about the fact that, um, that the answer to codependency is really a revelation of God's power. Because when we have a revelation of God's power, then we'll put more of our trust in him. And that's exactly what this verse says. It says in 17, um, then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. And then the last part of that verse says, your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. See, I love that last part about the roots growing down deep. You know, when a plant is searching for water, it will stretch its roots down deep. And that reminds me of the parable of the seeds. Inside of this parable, um, uh, Jesus is teaching about the Word of God, and he explains that, uh, that the seed was the same, but it fell on different types of soil. And depending on what type of soil it fell on, that determined if there was any fruit from the seed uh, being sown inside of that particular soil. So one type of seed was the rocky soil. And in Mark 5, excuse me, Mark 4, 5, and 6, it says this, other seed fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plant soon wilted under the hot sun. And since it didn't have any deep roots, it died. And then in Mark 4, 16 and 17, Jesus explains to his disciples what that was a picture of. He says this, The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or they are persecuted for believing God's word. And you know something? I want to read that because, you know, when you and I face a problem in life, um, when, when we face a persecution or a rejection because we're following Christ, when we face any sort of storm or, or resistance in life, it's really a divine opportunity. It is. It's a divine opportunity to grow our roots deeper with God. It's that moment where you say, God, I'm going to trust that you love me even though I, I, I can't feel it, even though my circumstances, right, are, are not what I want them to be. Or if, if you know, I'm going to trust you, Lord, even though this person said that about me, I'm still going to love that person, right, because I'm going to get my validation in you. And every time that we make those decisions, it grows our roots deeper in, God, in prayer to God, right? You see, prayer plants us deeper into God's love. It plants us by the streams of living water so that when we experience a drought because the hot sun of, uh, of any sort of problem is happening in our life that, that's causing chaos, we know that we're going to be okay because our roots are deep. 
Jeremiah 17, 7 and 8 says it this way, But blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. You see, a tree that's planted by the river doesn't have to worry about drought. And that's what prayer does for us. That's what prayer does for us. It plants us by the river. And so we must see times of hardship as opportunities to grow our roots deeper into that inner strength. When all of our of the things in our life are falling apart on the outside, see that storm as an opportunity to grow the roots deeper. And then not only does he pray for more of God's strength, but he also prays, and this is so important, I think, he prays for them to experience God's love, to experience God's love. Listen to how he says it. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. So when I read those scriptures, you know, immediately what I thought as I was uh, studying and meditating on them this week is that, you know, uh, that prayer, God, uh, I want to know more of your love. I want you more. That's a prayer I can continue to pray because God's love is so deep. I can never get to the bottom of it, right? We can always experience more of God's love. And then in the next verse, it says this, May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. You see, experiencing God's love leads to completeness. And that's important to know for a codependent because no person can complete us. Nobody. And inside of these scriptures, Paul did not pray for anything to work out a certain way. His first priority was to pray for them to experience more of God's love and to, and to be empowered by his strength. That word completeness, uh, I looked up the Greek on that from Blue Letter Bible, and it means to fill to the top so that nothing shall be wanting to full measure, to fill to the brim. And that's really what we're all looking for. We want to feel complete. And it is when we press into God and ask for more of Him that we experience His love. And you know, one of the most powerful ways that I experience God's love is, is not uh, from understanding. In other words, not from uh, necessarily reading my Bible and reading that I'm a child of God. It's when the words leap off the page at me. You know, when I hear God speak to me, when God is talking to me, I walk away just feeling so loved. I mean, the creator of the universe is speaking to me. And there's a confidence about that, that I can have going out in my day, no matter what I face. And you know something, that's an experience that I want every day. I want that nourishment every day. And you know what? No person 
no person, I don't care how good they are, I'm married to a very godly man, but not even he. I tried to make him my savior, sure did. Uh, and can you blame me? I mean, we're taught since we're three, right, that our answer isn't a man when we watch Cinderella, right? But he could not bear that burden. He could not be there to always validate me. And you know, that's not his role. It's our creator that validate us, that validates us because he made us. Let me read to you this quote from Mother Teresa. It says, um, Mother Teresa said, the spiritual poverty of the Western world is much greater than the physical poverty of our people. She went on to say, you in the West have millions of people who suffer such terrible loneliness and emptiness. They feel unloved and unwanted. The Western people are not hungry in the physical sense. They are hungry in another way. The West knows they need something more than money. They don't know what it is. What they don't know what they're missing really is a living relationship with God. That's what completes us. And because it's a living relationship, we need that every single day. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything that you need. You know, when we seek God first, God, I want more of you, right? The other things in life tend to fall in the right order and in the right priority. When we seek God and when we see him as our sole source and inside of this pandemic, it's like God in my life is shaking things, is showing me, you know, I had faith in God, but maybe depending on this a little bit or that a little bit. And God is bringing me to my knees where in the morning I'm praying, God, I just want more of you. And here's the beautiful thing. God says, when you seek me, all these other things, these other things that you've been stressing about, worrying over, trying to control, they will, I will give you what you need. Aren't you tired of playing God, of being self-sufficient, of being disappointed and angry because things are not working out your way? What if you changed your prayer life by shifting your perspective to an eternal perspective and then seeking God first, knowing that immeasurably more is what follows. Verse 20 says this, Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all the generations forever and ever. Amen. Immeasurably more. That's available to every believer. And I want to ask you a question. Are you taking advantage of the beautiful gift that we have in prayer by asking God for more of him? Now, here's why this is important. We talked about that prayer breaks codependency because it increases our God dependency. And it takes, um, it takes the focus off of ourselves and bringing our needs to others. And that's important. Because once that transfer happens, and again, I want to be so clear that this is a moment-by-moment, day-by-day choice that you must make to depend on God. And when that happens, it opens our heart in a greater capacity 
to love. You see, God's love system, and we discussed this earlier in one of our videos, that God's love system is this, that we would love him first, right? And be filled up with him, and then out of that overflow, love others. In codependence, we were looking to others to meet those needs. And so ultimately, it was impossible for us to love them. I lived a life of bitterness and unforgiveness because I wanted people to fill that void within me. And no person could do it. It was only when everything began to shift and the way it shifted for me was to start with that uh, seeking God to fill me with his love so that I could love others. It says this in uh, Ephesians 4. It says, therefore, starting out, so therefore, we go back to what the therefore is. So therefore, because you experience God's love and you're complete, because you have inner strength, right? So you have all that you need. Therefore, I, a prisoner serving the Lord, beg you to live a life worthy of your calling, for you've been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with one another, making allowances for each other's faults. Ready? Because of your love. Because of your love. You know, we all have people in our life that can be really nasty. And sometimes people will, um, will pull other people down to prop themselves up. But you know what? Those are the people that really need to be loved and if you're looking to those kind of people to, um, to, uh, to validate you, you're going to be so upset. If you're handling the rejection from them by trying to please them or to be somebody you're not, God's not asking you to do that. If people do that to you, but you're able to say to yourself, you know, that's a broken person. And I find my completeness, I find my power, I find my validation through God because that person cannot give it to me. And so I can love them. And by the way, we are to love as Christ loved us. And I want to say this, you know, authentic love sets boundaries. Authentic love never enables abuse. That's not what God is saying here. And I think that's important to mention because for years, what I thought loved looked like was never telling somebody no, it was people pleasing. And so that led to a life of me um, enabling and offering myself to really um, people that would take advantage and that kind of thing. That's not what God is talking about, right? I mean, when God created the world, the very first thing that he did um, when he created Adam and Eve, he set a boundary. He told them, um, you know, he told them what they could and could not do, right? And so, so boundaries can be very loving. God does not want us to enable abuse, but he wants us to love. And we'll be talking about that more. But what I want you to see here inside of this passage is that there is a flow inside of God's love system that begins with prayer. And that as we ask for more of God, we receive more of God. And in that, we become full so that we can give 
to others the way that God intended. Now, a third point about prayer is this. We must, we must stay alert and be persistent inside of our prayers. I'm going to skip over to Ephesians 6. I'm going to uh, to steal from a future nourish scripture. Um, but in Ephesians 6, 18, when it's talking about the armor of God, it says, pray in the spirit at all times on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Um, so it says, pray on every occasion. You know, for the codependent, we need to start thinking about praying like breathing. You know, that constant relationship with God, praying about, you know, just on any little thing, right? Asking Abba Father, depending on him. And we want to stay alert, all right? So to stay alert, that means quick to notice any dangerous circumstances, okay? So we want to stay alert from any of the enemy's plans and what he's doing. And then it says for us to be persistent. And persistent, the definition of that is continuing firmly or obstinately in a course of action in spite of difficulty or opposition, in spite of difficulty or opposition. That's what persistence is. And this is so beautiful, but inside of that seed parable, inside of Mark um, chapter four and also in Luke chapter eight, it talks about uh, a different kind of soil. It was a soft soil that was able to, uh, when the seed fell on it, it produced a harvest, right? And Jesus describes part of the characteristics of that of that soil, which he was um, he was equating that with our heart, is is persistence, persistence. And if you think about a farmer, when a farmer plants a seed, right, it doesn't sprout up right away. The farmer continues to water it and nurture it until it grows. You and I must pray persistently as well. Not only do we need to shift our perspective and seek God first, we must stay alert. Uh, we are called to pray persistently. Um, I want to skip over to uh, the book of Luke. I love this parable. This is the parable of the persistent widow. I'm in Luke 18. It says, one day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. There was a judge in a certain city, he said, who neither feared God nor cared about the people. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. Now, widows back then in particular were, oh, they were some of the most vulnerable people. And that's why in the Bible, um, God calls us, as he does call us today, to take care of widows and orphans. They were very vulnerable back then. Um, and it wasn't like the widow could go out and get a job, right? Uh, there wasn't life insurance. Now, God put into his word protective measures. Um, for example, the Levites were to take the tithe and they were to give it to the widows and the orphans, right? And so God had built in these protective measures, but those were based off of if people did the right thing. And we live in a broken world. So basically, widows, they were dependent on God. 
They really were. And so, um, so this woman was vulnerable. Verse four, the judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant requests. Then the Lord said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on earth who have faith? You know, that woman that was a widow, widows were completely dependent on God. And really, that's how God wants us to live, whether or not we are a widow, complete dependence upon Him. And I believe that when women pray, powerful things happen. And you know something, when Jesus comes, how do you want Him to see you? I want Him to see me as a woman who is resting in the strength that only He can provide. Because in that provision, that is when you and I begin to live as God intended, nourished, walking in freedom, and loving others. This is God's will for you and for me. And so this week, as you walk through your personal prayer sheets, will you take a new look at prayer Shift your perspective and pray based off of an eternal perspective. Seek God first. Ask for more of Him. And then stay alert and be persistent. And watch a harvest of love in your life grow. Thanks so much and I'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you.